0: Welcome to the Antioch-Austin Podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch-Austin, please check our website at antiochatx.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. Welcome to church, everybody. It's already been a super rich day. So thankful for each and every one of you. Uh, We are in week two of a series of talks that we're calling The Dirty Gospel All right? The dirty gospel. And what we mean by that is that we really want to drive into the truth that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is for the dirty parts of us. Let me say that again. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus, is for the dirty parts of us, the parts that we might want to keep hidden. The parts that we hope that maybe nobody finds out about. We absolutely have become convinced and Liz just did an incredible job last week. How many of you were here last week? Liz did just an amazing job last week of kind of opening up this revelation for us and and she used first, or excuse me, John 1 5 as, as her backstop to this entire series and it says that the light shines in the darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And I know that the big takeaway that I still am just chewing on in my time with God is that she brought to light that the fact is that the brightest lights in the world are the lights we can't see. The brightest lights in the world are the lights that we cannot see. So when I say that, your heart should should become really excited because the truth about Jesus is is that even in a dark place, there's still a light that the darkness cannot overtake. That no matter how dark it gets, no matter how close in the walls feel, that there is a light and that light, darkness, cannot overtake. And we want to take another step in this series of talks this morning, and we want to dive into a story. We want to dig into an Old Testament story that some of you guys, some of my Bible readers in the house are going to be very familiar with. And that story is found in 2 Samuel chapter 11, and this is the beginning of a very tragic part of David's life. This part of David's life is referenced as David and Bathsheba. David and Bathsheba, 2 Samuel 11. I want us to start reading in verse 2. It says, one evening David got up from his bed, walked around on the roof of his palace, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. And the man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And then David sent messengers to get her, and she came to him, and he slept with her. I want to talk to you this morning about the subject of when your mess goes viral. When your mess goes viral. If you're a note taker, that's what I would write on the top of my paper. When your mess goes viral, we often say everybody's welcome here, but we look highly upon those who take notes. (laughs) I want you to understand that David's mess did not start when he saw Bathsheba bathing on the roof. The mess that went viral was because of a mess that was hidden. Let me say that again. David's mess, the mess that happened because he made a decision that compromised who he was, who God said he was, everything that he believed in. It didn't just happen. He didn't just see Bathsheba and then all of a sudden... All that he had been fighting for, believing in, and standing on goes out the window. That's not what happened because our circumstances do not cause our messes. Our circumstances expose our messes. Our circumstances do not cause our messes. Our circumstances expose our Messes. Have you ever wanted to make a good impression on somebody? Right? Maybe a group of people. Maybe you're getting interviewed. Maybe you're trying to get a job. Maybe you're trying to just be liked. Right? And so you're doing everything you can to put your best foot forward. Right? So so you think about what you're going to say. You maybe even rehearse it. Right? And and you're in that moment where you're with that group of people. You're with that individual that's interviewing you. and, And everything that you say and do is calculated. Right? And they might say something that presses on you a little bit, pushes on you a little bit, but, but you don't emotionally respond to it, right? Because you put it in its rightful place. You don't let it affect you. You respond calmly and maturely, right? Because you're trying to make a good impression, right? And then you go home. Anybody thankful that in your job interview, they don't ask you to submit a video of you just living in your house for a week? Right? And they're like, hey, honestly, we don't need to talk to you. What I want you to do is set up these cameras in your living room. Your interview is going to be how you treat your kids. Are anybody thankful that your employer does not do that, right? I mean, because let me just be vulnerable with you. I've had a couple moments that I'm not proud of. I, 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 has anybody else had a couple moments where you're like, I'm, I'm glad that nobody saw this? Or I'm glad that it was just my family because they have to love me. So I mean, like this even just a couple of weeks ago, now I love talking about my kids because they're awesome and can be extremely annoying. And so Tate, on one of those extremely annoying days, I'm just keeping it 100 with you, alright? If you if you think that as a parent you're not gonna be annoyed, wake up! Children are annoying. If other kids, other people's kids annoy you, your kids will annoy you, okay? It's just they're kids. Kids are kids. And so Tate loves football. I love to watch football with Tate. We, 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 we spend our Saturdays together sitting on the couch, flipping through tons of games, and just want to brag on him actually. Tate plays football defensive player of the week yesterday. He balled out, man. Y'all would have been proud of him. So four tackles, two for saving touchdowns, hit a guy so hard he fumbled. I was proud. Um, so, so Tate and I watch football, we're hanging out, we're having a great time, right? And, and Tate gets really excited when he watches football, okay? And one of the things that happens to Tate when he gets really excited is that he turns into his father, which is unfortunate, and he just starts talking, right? Now, Tate's a numbers guy, man, loves stats. I mean, we sit and read, sit and read the sports page together and look at, yardage and, you know, who's winning and who's starting and all this stuff. And so Tate, man, we're watching this game and Tate's just firing off stats. Some fact, some fiction, but constant communication. Now, look, I I have a hidden mess. My hidden mess is I'm not not a patient person. That fruit of the spirit I have not eaten yet, okay? It's like love, joy, peace, and kindness and self-control, Right, so I, I'm working on the patience thing. I love patient people. I'm inspired by patient people. I'm just not really a naturally patient person. And so Tate's just like jawing, man, just like. And, and I can't even hear the commentators, okay? And so I look at him very calmly because I'm trying to work on my patience, right? And I look at him. I'm like, hey, buddy, man, this is so awesome information. But can you be quiet so I can hear the TV? And he's like, oh, yeah, Dad, sure, Dad, no problem, Dad. I'm like, okay, great, 30 seconds goes by, <laughs> jawing again. So this time, less, less patient tone, I'm like, hey, buddy, hey. Uh, so I'm, I really want to watch the game, and I believe one day you're going to be on ESPN, I really do, but you're not yet, so can you just watch? And he's like, oh, yeah, Dad, yeah, Dad. I'm just so excited, Dad. I'm like, cool. 30 seconds, starts talking again. Now I'm picking out the weapon. <laughs> All right, nobody's ever gotten there. Okay. No, I'm just like, okay. Tate! If you say another word, no one's watching football. And he looks at me shocked, you know, like, Dad. What 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 happened? We're just watching the game, you know? And at this point my hands begin to form, you know, that that loving embrace. Let him know I love him. No, I'm playing, I didn't choking, but but I blew up at him, man. I, it was an unimpressive moment, and I had to go back to him and be like, Tate, I'm so sorry, dude. Like, I, I, I don't want to be that guy. And I, I'm sorry for blowing up at you, man. Like, that's not, that's not what I want to do. But it, isn't that kind of what happens sometimes when the pressure gets just right? Oh, yeah. the, the atmosphere just gets just right. And that hidden thing in you that you're trying to suppress, when the atmosphere just, just gets it cooking just enough, that hidden mess comes out of you and becomes a public mess. Yeah. It's because our circumstances don't cause our messes. Our circumstances expose our messes. Jesus puts it this way in Luke 6, starting in verse 43. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from brares. I don't even know what that is. They don't exist anymore. (laughs) A good man brings (laughs) good things out Of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Can I read that last sentence for us again? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In our passage this morning, David walked into a perfect atmosphere for the hidden struggle that he had in him to come soaring out of him. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that if David was actively pursuing being a man of purity with his thoughts in his eyes, that this part of his life would be in the Bible? No, because he would have went up on his roof. He would have seen Bathsheba. He would have closed his eyes, ran back downstairs, called his accountability partners and said, bros, there's a naked chick on the roof. Somebody get over here before I do something that's going to ruin everything. Right? Because that's what pursuing purity looks like. But that's not what happened. Because that's not whatever happened in David's life. This struggle was not a new struggle to David. He had been... Think about everything that had to go right for David to do wrong. He had to get up at just the right time, go to the roof at just the right time. Bathsheba would have had to have been bathing at just the right time. So many things had to go right for David to, go, to do wrong. But the truth is, is that if he was actively pursuing purity, the atmosphere would not have affected his behavior. Because our circumstances or the atmosphere, the environment that we're in, do not cause our public failures. They don't cause us to make decisions that lead to consequences of sin. They expose the sin that's in us the struggle that's in us. And when the atmosphere gets just right, what we have been able to keep hidden when we're not in the pressure cooker starts soaring and raging out of us when we step into the right environment. So there's two things that I want us to really learn from David's very public failure. This very public mess that that created an enormous amount of pain and confusion. And the story goes on, and I wish we had time to, to, to really dive into what happens in the aftermath of this poor decision that David made. But I really want us to look just at this, these first two verses, because I think that if we grab hold of the lessons that David is trying to teach us, That maybe some of the circumstances that we feel like are creating messes, we can start walking in freedom. And and the first thing that I think David would tell us if he was here, if he was standing on the stage and and he was reciting for us this terrible part of his life, he would say this, confess your hidden mess. Confess your hidden mess mess. We all have hidden messes. Everybody's got that dirty, sticky, yucky, cloudy part of their heart. That part sometimes that that starts off really, really small and, and so small that we feel like we don't even, it would be strange to confess this. I haven't done anything really yet. But we're aware that there's a shadow lurking. Confess your hidden mess. Do you know what's psychologically proven now? There's all of these studies that keeping things hidden literally is bad for your health. That the scientists just use words like it eats you from the inside out. Your stress hormones go through the roof, and because of that stress, you literally start to physically decay because we're hiding something. And it's scientifically proven that when we bring things from hiddenness to the light, when we bring things from the dark out into the public, that there is a physical release. I love it. When science catches up to the Bible. I love that. Because that sounds enormous like James 1. Excuse me, James 5. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess your sins pray for each other so you may be healed. You know, there's a freedom and a healing on the backside of transparency. There's hope. There's grace. There's a release when we take the things from the hidden place and bring them to a seen place. I mean, our hidden messes can be So many different things. Maybe it's things we've done. Maybe it's business deals that we've gone about in a crooked way. Maybe it's as simple as like cheating on a test or you used to steal things or whatever it is. But if there's something in us that people don't know about us, that hidden thing controls us. No matter what it is. No matter how small or how big no matter how slight or how catastrophic, the things that no one knows are the things that eat us from the inside out. And this is why the, I love the beauty of relationships with individuals that I trust. Because it's, you need to have somebody that knows everything. Everything. Even just this morning, I have a buddy of mine, and we were texting back and forth, exposing everything, every thought, every weird. We were just like, dude, let's just clean the pipes. Let there be nothing hidden in us because what's hidden eventually will come out. If if we leave the hidden mess and try to keep sweeping it under the rug, eventually... The atmosphere is going to get just right, and that hidden mess is going to become a public mess. Because how many of you know that we're in a fight for our atmosphere? We're in a fight for our atmosphere. Now, our circumstances do not create our mess, or you can say the atmosphere we're in does not create our mess, It exposes our mess. But once we confess our mess and that hidden place is no longer hidden and we're walking in the power of the healing of vulnerability and transparency, we need to take back the trap. We can't be passive about our atmosphere. I remember in college my freshman year, The school that I went to had this weird thing that they did where like a month into school, it was a huge food fight. It's a massive food fight. A lot of funny stories from that food fight. But you had hundreds of freshmen that were kind of coming up upon their first week of test, feeling that the pressure of, oh, no, it's not just about partying. I actually do have to read something. And so everyone's a little stressed out, a little tense, and so there's this huge food fight, and they bring out all this leftover. It's actually disgusting. I didn't think about, it, but it's super fun, like baby pools of refried beans. You know, it's like so awesomely gross. And so we're out there, me and a bunch of my friends, we're just having a blast. And at the center of campus was a fountain, and uh, we were filthy. So we were like, let's go to the fountain. So this, like, it was my first time to experience a mob mentality, okay? I'd never really experienced a mob mentality before. And so all of a sudden, it's just like, I don't even know what happened because I'm a rule follower, you know? I mean, I'm a rule follower when the rules make sense. When rules don't make sense and I see myself as an exception to the rule because I only follow rules that make sense. But I'm a rule follower as a general rule. And so I'm not the guy that's going to start a riot usually, uh, except for this day. (laughs) And so we all kind of like roll over to the fountain, and they had put literally people all around the fountain surrounding it to keep us from doing the very thing that we were trying to do, which is all run and jump into the water. Now, there was a bunch of us covered in refried beans and different things like that, and gross, gross. And I don't even know what happened, what came over me, but I found myself shouting, let's go! And I didn't even move because I'm a rule follower, but everyone else did. <laughs> Hundreds of people. just, And I'm looking around going, what did I just do? I'm going to get arrested. Oh, man. Right? There was something in the atmosphere that affected everyone's behavior. Have you ever felt this before? Maybe you've felt felt the good side of this, which is like an atmosphere of faith. Maybe you're in a room of people, you hear a testimony of somebody that just experienced the power and freedom of God, maybe they were healed, and literally you can kind of feel the room shift, and it usually leads to more people experiencing breakthrough and healing. Because the atmosphere is important because the fight that we fight is actually for the atmosphere. Check this out. In Ephesians 2, Paul describes the devil as the prince of the power of the air. The prince of the power of the air. And then he goes on in chapter 6, starting in verse 2. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly realms. We are in a fight to establish an atmosphere of faith. We have to not be passive about our atmosphere, but we have to take back the trap. Because how many of you know that worship isn't just what you do at the beginning of church. Worship is warfare. These are not just songs that we sing to warm up. It's not just the CD you put on on your way to church. No one puts on CDs anymore. Sorry. It's not the playlist you choose on your way to church. Worship is Warfare. What if David wouldn't have been passive about his atmosphere, but he took back the trap? And he engaged the attack of the enemy with the weapon of worship. Because this is a weapon that David knew very well. This was a weapon that David used many times when he was alone by himself watching his father's sheep. Or when he was running for, did I say sheep's? I looked at Annie, and she was like, no. (laughs) Watching his father's sheep. Thanks, Flynn. And so this was a weapon that he used when he was literally running for, for his life from the king that was trying to kill him. Most of the psalms in the Bible, which are literally worship songs declaring the goodness and hope of God in impossible situations, were written by David. He understood that worship was a weapon because it had always been a weapon. In First Chronicles 16, verse 4. It says that, that he, God, appointed some Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord to exalt and thank and praise the Lord, the God of Israel. There, there were literally people that were raised up just to affect the atmosphere around the people of God. They would gather around the ark of the covenant, and they would say, God, we thank you for your glory. We thank you for your power. And this is what they did. Their whole job which just to affect the atmosphere of everywhere that the people of God went. And even when they went into battle, guess who went first? These guys carrying the Ark of the Covenant, declaring the goodness of God and thanking God for his provision and his hope. Worship was always designed to be a weapon of warfare. But David didn't choose worship in that moment. And if he would have chosen to not be passive in his atmosphere, I think that the the hidden struggle wouldn't have went viral. Because when we change our atmosphere, it changes our behavior. I want us to do a little test this morning. I want you right now to begin to picture in your mind's eye that hidden mess that you're struggling with right now. Just maybe you need to close your eyes to focus, but I want you to see it. I want you to unpack that hidden thing that you hope no one finds out, that hidden struggle, the stuff that you feel like is eating you from the inside out. I want you to see it. I want you to start feeling it right now. Are you encouraged? You pumped up? I want you to keep it in front of you. Now now watch this. Check out what happens when we do this. to shift, right? It's because we don't have to be passive about our atmosphere. We we don't have to walk into that perfect, everything goes right to set us up to do wrong. We can walk into that moment and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Worship has got to happen right now. I don't have to give in to the temptation. I can actually attack it by shifting my atmosphere. I can take my atmosphere and I can say, no, I'm not going to be subject to my circumstances. I'm going to change my atmosphere. I'm not going to be passive about what's happening outside of me. I'm going to carry worship in me. Because, look, listen, the devil, we've been talking about this for like six weeks, wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything in you the hope of God from you but I Jesus says in John ten ten, 10 have come to give you life and life to the full and so the prince of the power of the air the devil is attacking our atmosphere creating pressure cookers for our hidden messes to become public messes for the things that we've been keeping inside to go viral but guess what if we confess the mess And take back the trap, we walk in freedom. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Can I say that again? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I'm gonna give it to you one more time. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Confess the hidden mess. Take back the trap. And invite the spirit of the living God into that moment. Because where the spirit of the living God is, there is freedom. Jesus came for the hidden place in you to get free every part of you, every crack of you to experience the freedom, the grace, and the life that the blood of Jesus brings. We just have to go from being hidden to confessing to experiencing healing and then not being passive about our atmosphere. We got to take back the traps that the devil is trying to set for us all the things he's lining up so that we can go wrong. We can look at those things and say, whoa, 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 worship. Whoa, 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 worship. Do you know that's how you spell worship? Whoa, 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 you're walking through life. You see something, temptation to look at something you shouldn't look at. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Worship. You get an opportunity to go right when you should have gone left in a business deal. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Worship. Worship. You're about to make a decision at a club or at a bar that's going to affect your eternity. You're going to have to live with the consequences of that decision. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Worship. Can you stand with me? We want to create some space this morning for us to do those two things. Maybe you need to confess the hidden mess. Maybe there's some stuff inside of you that needs to come out before you step into so many things going right so that you can do wrong. You need to confess the hidden mess. There might be others of us that need to experience the power of taking back our atmosphere. And so, and maybe instead of coming up and, and, and confessing your mess, maybe you're like, man, I'm clean, my pipes are clean, but I've been passive about my atmosphere. Maybe you need to say, whoa, 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 I'm about to worship right now. And I'm gonna take back the trap. I'm no longer gonna live subject to my circumstances, but I'm gonna shift the atmospheres that I find myself in by the weapon worship. So some of my leaders would just begin to make their way to the front, I'm going to pray, the band's going to sing, and we're all going to respond. Amen? Don't leave this place. If you need somebody to pray for you, if you you need to get something out into the open, this is your moment. This is your time. Don't leave this place in the same ditch that you walked in. God loves you so much that he's glad that you came just the way that you are. He's just so passionate about you. He doesn't want you to leave the same way that you came. Jesus, thank you for the power of your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for the hope that comes when we confess our hidden mess. God, I do just pray for great strength and courage for people to take a big step forward this morning and bringing things from the darkness into the light. And I also just pray for the power of the weapon of warfare of worship to start surging in each one of our hearts, that we become those who affect our atmospheres and not become affected by.